and welcome to another phase. I'm your host, Tamara Dreesen. How are you doing, love? I really hope that you're enjoying this series. So far, we've had my solo episode where I share some of my recent reflections and realizations. We've talked all things astrology and numerology with Francesca Oddi, and we've had some real talk about witch life with Semra Haxaba. This week, I'm joined by Richie Bostock, also known as the Breath Guy. Richie is a breathwork guide and he teaches people how to breathe with purpose. I know what you might be thinking, especially if you haven't heard of breathwork before, that yeah, of course, we all know how to breathe. Otherwise, like, we wouldn't be here now. I wouldn't be talking to you. You wouldn't be listening to this. The thing is, the breath is so powerful because obviously it gives us life, but without realizing it, so many of us aren't harnessing the benefits of the breath to its fullest potential. I think that our breath is so underrated and unappreciated, but when you start to work with it, it can be an incredible tool for self-care and healing. And one of the best things about breathwork is that it's free. Like we don't need any fancy equipment for it. I mean, like we are the fancy equipment. (laughs) So yeah, I think breathwork is amazing. And over the years, I've had various experiences with breathwork. I've done angelic breathwork, kundalini, transformational breathwork, and pranayama, and I think there's maybe a few others, but they're like the main ones that I can kind of think of right now. And I've got to say, Richie is one of the best, like he is one of my favorite teachers, and I find his techniques, more than anything, really easy to follow, because despite breathing being one of the easiest, most natural things that we do, When we're doing breath work, it ain't always easy. It is one of the practices that I resist the most, but when I stick with it, it is so worth it. It's literally a way of getting high on your own supply without any kind of hangover or come down. I mean, who doesn't want that? The side effects of breath work are, from my experience, feeling calmer, feeling lighter, feeling happier, feeling clearer, and yeah, more relaxed. And yeah, I just, I think it's incredible. But I'll be honest, I'll be real with you. Breathwork isn't something that I do regularly. I perhaps should because I know how much it helps me. But isn't that always the way? Like the things that we know that help us, like we just, I mean, I've only got so many hours in the day. Like, and I, I feel like I um, I do my morning pages in the morning and I meditate um and I'm like been doing more exercise it's like I need to like obviously do other things <laughs> as well like you mentioned um, maybe I should do that more I don't know or have a day or like yeah anyway we know how it is isn't it it's like we could always be doing more like and maybe it's just about surrendering to just remembering that we are doing enough and I am just yeah, wanting to share this conversation with you and introduce you to Richie if you don't already know him or you have this as an opportunity for you to get to know him even better because he's just an incredible guy. I met him, we were on a panel a few years ago, uh, my friend Helen, who is the founder of Samsara Communications, she was hosting a kind of like how to run a wellness business panel and I was on the panel with Richie and a few others and it's the first time I ever met him and I just really loved his energy and his perspective on things and since then have tried his breathwork sessions in person and online and yeah like as I said like you get it like I think he's I think he's great um and during the first lockdown in the UK Richie really was one of those kind of like life 
savers. <laughs> that sounds so extreme, doesn't it? But his breathwork sessions really helped me get through the first lockdown. I used to attend, like he was doing these Sunday breathwork sessions on Instagram live. And I'd actually like tune in with my friends. So they were in their parts of the country or parts of the world and it was just so nice to share the experience with them while tuning into some healing energy at the same time and I think that at that time especially it was just so needed and it was great to have like a weekly time that I was like really tuning into myself and what I needed whilst everything just felt so up in the air I mean I know in some ways things are still a bit up in the air but I think we're getting there, you know, we're working our way through it. Things are, we kind of just got, we know where we're at a little bit more with things, don't we? And I think we need to just take a moment to just like pat ourselves on the back and just (laughs) recognize how far we've come, like what we've moved through, what we've probably all learned in different ways in our own experiences and what we've let, like let go of and the things that we've overcome. Like, I think we really need to just, yeah, take a moment to just pause and pat ourselves on the back and celebrate that. Because, you know, I'm sure if you're like me, there were points where you're just like, what is going on? How am I going to get through this? And are things going to get better? And, you know, I guess it's just one of those things on Pinterest or Instagram posts that are like, a bad day is only 24 hours. I don't know, a a day can only be 24 hours. So the next day is an opportunity for it to be better. I mean, I paraphrase that totally, but you get, you get what I mean. Um, anyway, back to this episode. (laughs) Obviously, we talk about breathwork because that is Richie's thing, but he also drops some really profound food for thought throughout. I mean, there were moments where I just had to pause and just like take a moment because it just blew my mind. And Richie spoke about things in a way that I'd never looked at or thought of in that way. And it just made so much sense. I'm not going to say too much more about that because I want to just like let you have that experience for yourself and just see how that lands. This is definitely one of the conversations where we are invited to look at our experiences from different perspectives. No big yay. (laughs) But yeah, one of the things that I really do love about these conversations is that I learn so much from the guests on here, whether it's a fresh perspective, an insight into a practice that didn't that I didn't know or something about someone's experience that reminds me of what's possible. So I really hope that that's the same way for you. I hope that you're getting as much out of this as I am. And yeah, I'll just let you enjoy this conversation with Richie. Welcome, Richie. I am so ecstatic. I want to. Say, I feel like that's how excited I am to be able to talk to you today for the podcast. How are you doing? Doing good. It's so nice to see you again and to, <laughs> and to chat. It feels like it's been a while, um, but uh, yeah, doing well over here in my little hermitage in Wiltshire. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> Is that where the hobbits were? <laughs> When you say like like the little hermitage in Wiltshire, yeah, they were in the Shire. They were the Shire, in the Shire. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why feels a bit like that. that. You know, yeah. I, I haven't really left my Hobbit hole that much in the last few months. <laughs> you know, it's been a funny old time. I think we've all been like that as well, though, haven't we? In our own ways, Hermit yeah. mode. I mean, kind of not necessarily by choice, right? We no, obviously. <laughs> we had to kind of do- 
<laughs> but you know, what a unique opportunity to kind of experiment with a different way of living for a little while. Mm. Um, and, uh, just do your best to kind of, um, yeah, make, make the most of not having the pressures of having to have commitments to go out and do things. I I've certainly found it very challenging, but at the same time, it's such a interesting opportunity for some really deep work. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I feel like, is that, is it juxtaposed? Is that the right word? For like, yeah. you know, when it's like, that, that is the right. I think, yeah, I have to think about that yeah, for a second. I, was like, I don't well, know, yeah, it popped into is. my head. <laughs> I wouldn't usually use that word, but it is like, it's exactly the same. Like so challenging and really also kind of like enforcing us to do that deep work in that same way, but also opening us up to other ways of being and being able to kind of have more space for that, the things that we wouldn't normally have the time to do. Exactly. I mean, you know, especially if you're living in a place like London and you know this, you can be mm. pulled left, right, whether it's for work or social, you know, there's always stuff happening and, you know, that's always really nice, but also it can also, it can certainly be a distraction yeah. too. Um, so when you sort of strip away everything and you're left by yourself and only yourself or maybe mm -hmm. a partner or maybe yeah, a, a cat. pet or see <laughs> yeah. a cat, um, it's, it, it's an interesting, you know, new environment mm. and with the new environment can come new trains of thought and thinking. And like for me, cause I live by myself. So what I learned a lot about myself was, uh, my relationship with loneliness, mm. um, and, and how I have um, kind of developed these patterns around it over my life. And so it was, it was actually really amazing for that um, to really come to some big realizations that I have around loneliness or being alone, which has mm -hmm. been brilliant, really helpful. Yeah. I think that's the, the, it's having that awareness as well of like, what, what is this teaching me? Like, I feel like one of the biggest things that I've been kind of been kind of like really tuning into is like what do I want mm. like really what do I want rather than what do I think I should be doing or what do other people want me to be doing and also I've been learning about codependency recently mm. and I'm like oh my gosh like I didn't realize that was a thing in my life but it really is wow yeah wow. I I mean you know there's there's Look, at the end of the day, we're in our experience of life no matter what. And you can mm -hmm. really, you know, I think a, such a powerful, such a powerful thing for people to realize is that you actually can decide how um, you can look at things. Yeah. You know, how, how do you want, which lens do you want to inspect the experience of your life? Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's a very liberating thing. Yeah. Um, you know, I think for, for me as an example, going through the the waves and the and the and the 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 experience of of loneliness and as it kind of came and went throughout the last few months of just being by myself um you know there was always just an interest in the experience itself rather than trying to judge it or think that's bad yeah, you yeah. just go interesting <laughs> wow like what is how can i work with this what can this teach me what is this showing me about myself yeah. um and it was brilliant in so many ways. Really, it brought up all the dark stuff. Of you course. Know? All the shadows, <laughs> yeah. all the realizations. Up. Yep. <laughs> yeah, all the bad habits, all the bad behaviors. And I'm just mm -hmm. going, oh, my gosh, I can see so much now about how I would um, pacify myself from lo loneliness. Um, you know, it goes into abandonment wounds mm -hmm. and all that good stuff. Um, 
so yeah, it was a deep dive. Yeah. The last few months. It's been great. Yeah. Lots of shadow work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think, and I honestly, I think that is, um, it's, I mean, obviously it's, it's quite important in, and well-known in the circles that we kind of are in, but I, I believe that shadow work is going to be, um, a real pillar of modern psychotherapy going forward. Mm, interesting. Um, I, th- I I think it has to. It's the mm. only way that we can um, really get a better understanding of ourselves and and clear the things and that we that need to be cleared. Um, I think it can be a tendency, and you know, the term for this is spiritual bypassing, right? Yeah. It's that you know you can get really caught up in a lot of new age or spiritual ideas and get really excited about things. And it's a lot of love and light and feel good and et cetera, et cetera, which is all good. Um, but there needs to be, it needs to be balanced with what I guess is referred to as the work. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got to do the work. Yeah, um, it is. It, it, like, and that's what it feels like. And I don't feel like, I know I have this message sometimes with some of my friends and like, I don't know. Do you follow actually? Remind me. Do you know? Do you follow JT Firstman, like Jordan Firstman on Instagram? He's a, a comedian, kind of writer. Is this in the guy that's like I've does been doing the work? Yeah, that. And it's hard. <laughs> yeah. And if I know if I don't do the work, then it's just not going to get done. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't that's, know. I know that video. Yeah. Though. Yeah. That's what it makes me think of the work. And I do like sometimes when people are like, I'm just yeah I'm doing the work and it, I do eye roll a little bit, but then also it, it is work like. And the work is never done in some ways. But then I guess also when I feel like my eye roll comes from, it's like, yeah, because it never is done. So why make it a thing when we're all doing the work, whether consciously or unconsciously? I think, but I think having a conscious um, awareness of what I would probably call your personality. Mm -hmm. So how you think, how you feel, how you behave um, and becoming the, the, the observer of that and being able to objectively look at it and go, Hmm, it's interesting that I'm thinking these things, feeling these things, behaving in this way. Um, you know, I, 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 I think that's in itself is the work, you know, Mm -hmm. it's, it's being able to be quite, um, quite real with yourself, if that makes sense. Yeah. What are the things that help you be real with yourself and have those realizations? That's a good question. I think it's happened over time. And interestingly, whether it's been through sort of uh, peak experiences through things like breath work, um, whether it's been through very cathartic experiences and, and, you know, obviously breath works primarily my thing and it's been the tool that has helped me the most in my life. Um, what it certainly helped me to do was to understand, hey, you know what? I am not my thoughts. I am not my feelings. I, and that um, and it kind of creates a little bit of distance yeah. from this so that you can have space to be able to hold yourself in a very tender and loving and kind way and observe the way that you are and then be able to decide from that really sort of nurturing place, is this useful for me or not mm-hmm. or useful for others or not. Um, obviously you look at things like meditation, um, is incredible because it starts to, it trains discernment, you know, it trains the tool that allows you to observe, which is great. But I know for me, I mean, I've kind of 
been around the block in terms of trying all sorts of different things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I guess coming back to breath work is probably the primary thing that is, that's helped me the most. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't, I'm trying to think if there's like one big thing. And what are the little things then, do you think? Or the medium things? I think a little game that I'm playing with myself a lot is whenever I feel emotional about anything mm-hmm. or think that anything is important in any way, I ask myself the question why that is. And whether that that why actually is rational or whether it's a story or whether there is an emotional narrative that I'm connecting to it. Um, because it's, it's one of those funny things where you start to realize that if you have an emotional reaction to something, then it means that you've created a story around it. Yes. <laughs> and whether that story is right, wrong, useful, not useful, you know, that, that's, that's up to subjectivity. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's understanding that 95% of your, you know, your, your day, your conscious and unconscious actions are actually, you know, unconscious stories, unconscious meanings and patterns that you, and associations that you've created with things outside of you and within you, obviously as well. Mm -hmm. Um, and starting to decide whether that's useful or not. (laughs) (laughs) And, and then also have, and also having the, the, the belief that, you know, who you are is fluid. Um, you know, that we know these, we all think we have these set personalities and then when people act differently to their personality, we say, oh, that person has multi- multiple personality disorder or something. Mm-hmm. I think we all have multiple personality disorder. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, the, the, the Tamara that knows that spends time with her boyfriend might be the different Tamara to who spends time with her friend or yeah. with a colleague or something. You know, we all, we change ourselves all the time. So why don't we kind of jump on board with that idea mm-hmm. and go, okay, well, maybe, and then I'm going to decide who I'm going to be. Yeah. Kind of cool. I guess we, and that's the thing, I think we forget that we get to decide who we want to be. And sometimes mm. it's like, oh, because that situation is happening, I'm like this. Like, but then that's that choice to kind of respond in that way, isn't it? Or, or, or feel it in that way. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think... So much of our personality is, you know, it's it's almost like it's like a relic of the past, you know, and it can be really challenging to 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 cut those associations to or or to change them or even mm-hmm. have the courage to just think that you can, that to decide I'm just I am the way I am and that's it, and to to decide that maybe that's not a hundred percent true is it takes a big leap of faith and it's a lot of bravery and and um you know it, you kind of have to work with yourself in that way because you have this brilliant part of you called the ego that's really gonna fight hard to make sure that you're going to be as safe as possible that's really what it's about you know yeah. you want to be as safe as possible and so it's going to work out anything identify anything that brings you pain identify anything that even takes you towards pleasure and 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 kind of work off that system of mm-hmm. avoidance and and moving towards um 
and that is useful. And I, people talk about, I don't, I don't want to have an ego or like, mm-hmm. I want to dissolve my ego. I'm like, well, if you do that, you're not going to be able to exist in this world. <laughs> yeah. uh, sure. You can try. <laughs> if you want to live in a cave then go for it, that's cool. Yeah. But if you want to actually participate in this world, ego is there, but it's how do you work with your ego? Mm, definitely. I think that's the thing. It's like, when we're trying to detach ourselves from that ego, we're also detaching part of ourselves. And then we're not in, mm. we're not functioning as integrated beings. And that ego is also the shadow in a lot of ways. And we need that shadow because I always think with the shadow, that's where the really interesting stories we have are about ourselves that that are that need the most love and like acceptance. So when we detach that, we're also limiting our capacity to feel love i think for ourselves and for other people you know one big aha moment that i had sort of semi recently yeah <laughs> was the idea that you know all the so many of the stories and you know and and meanings and associations and even you know these these uh symptoms or results of trauma that we can sometimes experience at the end of the day, it's just about the body trying to protect itself. Mm-hmm. It's just about, you know, and and what a beautiful thing, you know? And so in some ways, all this this, this shadow part of ourself is is actually an expression of self-love. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. And and so to be taught that we need to reject this part of ourselves is actually to reject the actual part of us that is trying to love us trying yeah. to look after us, trying to keep us safe. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense, does no. it? No, it's like very profound. Yeah. <laughs> very beautiful. Um, and it was, it's making me think of like also just that awareness, like when you, in your introduction in Exhale, in your book, you talk about like when you went to, I think it was like when you were in Peru and you were try, you were being like, who, not who am I, but like, not you were kind of consciously not bringing old habits into this experience when you kind of left Australia to just go on this journey for yourself. Yeah, uh, taking into the into that experience in Peru a very conscious intention of trying to forget who I was, mm-hmm. all this idea that I constructed of who I am. Mm to see what would come to the surface naturally. Mm. Um, so yeah, I explained the book, uh, you know, every, every morning I would spend just a minute or two while I was lying in bed, just repeating this mantra of just forget who you are, forget who you are, forget who you wow. are. Um, and what was fascinating is, yeah, you know, it, it because it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, you know, when you take that intention into your day, then you actually start to observe what, how you act. And so rather being on autopilot and living a very sort of mechanical existence of Mm. just, just going with the flow of whatever it is, it's, you start to pay attention to, oh, it's interesting that I do things that way, or I do things that way. Um, and yeah, it it was within, within a week of this practice, I started noticing that I was slowly acting differently. And even my my laugh yeah, changed. Yeah, I remember you writing that. Which yeah. was incredible. I started laughing differently. It was very strange, um, but a very profound experience. And, you know, it really is an amazing thing to do if you are 
let's say solo traveling or going somewhere completely different where you are surrounded by new people who have no clue who you are um, in an environment that expects absolutely nothing of you in terms of your past behaviors or your, mm-hmm. your past actions um, so that you, then you can, can explore that. Yeah. Yeah. So liberate. Like, cause when I was reading it in your book, I was like, Oh my gosh. Like I felt like, it really resonated with me because when I went traveling on my own, like, and I went to live in Bali, uh, went to live in Ibiza um, for a summer and like worked there. That was like what you, with that experience that you were sharing in the book, I was like, oh my gosh, I relate to this so much because as soon as you take away those dynamics and those situations and those habits and that routine, you're, you are left with yourself. Mm. But then also the choice of, do you want to bring that in <laughs> or who do you want to be? But when you're with completely different people that don't know your backstory, or maybe one person does out of however many other people you're interacting with, it's so liberating, isn't it? Yeah, I I, I, I do hope that if you are able to have an experience like this at some point in your life to go for it, mm. because you, you really do learn so much about yourself. I, I, I think the solo traveling thing is so important yeah um so yeah and that's amazing that you had that experience in ibiza as well mm. okay so you don't need to travel all the way to the other side no. of the world to do it you can be just to a different country yeah <laughs> yeah you can yeah it can just be okay. like local like local ish and even in a different part of the country i think you could have that couldn't mm. you um but i think changing your routine like and again like if you're if we we've got restrictions for travel or mm. um you can't you're not in a space where you could afford to do that like it's just changing your routine could make the difference couldn't it yeah switching things up i mean we are habit forming you know beings right and mm. the body has its own habit forming mechanisms your 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 psychology does the same thing um so if you can consciously start to put what we could call interrupters or pattern breakers into your day then it certainly helps to shift other things you know mm-hmm. like um uh, for example, confusion is, most people think that being confused is a bad thing. Confusion is an amazing state of being because it's at that point that you don't have a pattern to jump onto. You're stuck wow. in this in-between world of like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. I don't know how to interpret this. So it means now something new can register. So rather than straight away jumping to your, your, all your associated meanings already confusion is that moment of I'm, I'm, I don't know anything. And then something new can come in. So confusion is brilliant. Um, yeah. Boredom is another really amazing state of being that you're blowing my mind because I've never heard anyone ever in my life in 37 years on this planet say that confusion and boredom are good things. But as you're saying it, it's like, whoa, this is so profound. <laughs> yeah. And this is the problem, right? Is we're taught that these things are bad. Being bored is a bad thing. If you're at school and you're bored, it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Or if you're you know, not constantly doing things in your day, then it means you're being unproductive. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great, if um, there's a great uh, saying that goes, if you want to kill creativity, be productive. Yes. That makes so much sense. Cause creativity, which essentially is sort of the birthing of new ideas and new ways of being and new thing, doing things differently. It requires space. Mm-hmm. It can't, it can't, you can't fall back on the same 
kind of patterns of thinking and behavior that you've had before. It requires space of nothingness for something new to connect or something new to emerge. Yeah. So like boredom, unfortunately we don't live in a society where boredom exists that much anymore because as soon as we get any downtime, we instantly take out our distraction devices, our phone, and we just (laughs) scroll, we do whatever. Um, So, you know, I don't know. Do you do you remember? I'm not sure if you used to like catch the train or bus or anything to and from school. Mm, yeah, I used and to. You, <laughs> and you just would sit and you just like look out the window, and you just and that would that would until you got home. You know, yeah. we don't have that anymore, do we? No, like many we don't people have anyway. Those, like I try to, but then it's like the phone like whispers Ooh. to me, or I'm like, oh, <laughs> I want to listen to my podcast, or I'm doing something. Like there's always something, but I've been doing the artist way like following it very slowly and and Julia Cameron I think it's like week four says to have a week of reading watching tv so I took the week off like no reading no tv no podcast no no social media like quickly like once a day checked in with my emails but that was it and like I finally sorted out cupboards that (laughs) I, I kept meaning to do and hadn't done and was just acting like doing different things but also like the ideas that were coming through it's like, oh yeah, my brain's thinking because I'm not absorbing all of this information. I'm like more present and connected with my surroundings. I think the big word that you just shared there was presence. Mm. Um, because of course, listening to podcasts and reading books and absorbing useful information and uh, keyword there being useful mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and you know, listening to music and that kind of, it's all beautiful. They're all beautiful things. Mm. Um but it doesn't necessarily encourage presence. Mm-hmm. You know, um, uh, there's a there's a really amazing mystic. His name's G.I. Gurdjieff. I'm not sure. Oh, I've heard I haven't of him heard of them before. No. He's really cool. Um, but he talks What's about his name again. Uh, Gurdjieff. Okay. Uh, and um, he talks about having something called three centered awareness. Mm-hmm. And if you are able to be present in these three centers, it's, you are a, what he would call human being without quotation marks. Um, and the three centers, the first one is the body center, um, Mm -hmm. which, you know, they're also roughly aligned with the chakra system as well. So you would kind of look at this sort of belly area. Mm -hmm. So are you present in your body? Can you feel the ground underneath your feet? You know, as you're doing other things, do you notice, you know, as you're walking, do you feel your center of balance? You know, I do have that kind of intricate awareness of your body. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's the heart center, um, the chest, which is obviously about your emotion. See if your emotion, see if you're feeling, you know, are you present with exactly what it is that you are feeling right now? And then there's the head center. So with the brain, the head, the mind, um, which is all about just clear intellect, because I think a lot of the time, uh, especially in many practices, we sh- they'll talk about, you know, no minding, you know, stop thinking. When actually thinking is kind of important. Um, it's just that we need to think clearly. That's yeah. all. <laughs> so if you're able to inhabit these three centers with presence, then you become a human being without quotation marks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I really like that. And so having some sort of presence practice, um, I think is really, really useful. Mm, yeah. And it's so, I think we're just so hardwired to not be present. 
aren't we? Like you said, like we've got like the distraction devices and all these things that being able to listen to music and there's always like something, isn't there? Something, yeah, absolutely. And you know, we we can become addicted, I guess. You know, these 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 chemicals of action become very even stress is addictive. You know, mm. like the, the 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 same chemicals that can do that can save your life. You know, if you're being chased by a I don't know a pit bull or something like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, are the same the same chemicals that over long term can slowly destroy your cells, destroy mm. your tissue, destroy your immune system, cause chronic inflammation, um, and and you know autoimmune issues, mm. which at the same also at the same time can be incredibly addictive. You know. We become addictive to who we are. That's a um, it's Joe Dispenza's book, right? It's yeah. the uh, breaking the habit of being yourself. You know, we have these addictions and we have these habits of our personality, and obviously that trickles down into our physiology as well. Mm-hmm. Um, how our physical body actually runs and and manifests in movement. So, so yeah, like I think doing something that feels uncomfortable and what's really funny is for many people doing nothing is very uncomfortable, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which seems very, uh, very backwards in many ways, I think. Mm. Um, so yeah, practice being bored, mm. put yourselves in positions where you can be confused. Um, yeah. It's, it, instead of constantly taking in podcasts when you go for your walk or you walk mm. into work or whatever, Maybe every now and again, just don't listen to anything and just pay attention to all the sounds around you. And I know for me, my my best ideas, inspirations have come out of nowhere when I was doing and doing nothing or yeah. felt like I was pointless, pointlessly wasting time. Mm-hmm. Not the times where I'm like focused, I'm going to try and think of something. Mm-hmm. It's... Even in the shower, you know, yeah, same. that's where such my a good, good ideas come in. <laughs> or chopping vegetables, like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. In some ways, this might be bad, but even driving, yeah. maybe it's maybe it's showing how much attention I'm paying to, to the road. <laughs> I don't know, but, but it's quite a different often. brain state, though, isn't it? It's a yeah. different. Um, I, I can never remember what bra- the brain states are, but it is. I think you're going into a different. It's kind of like a it's like just gears isn't it like of cars that yeah. thinking receiving doing like automatic like they're all different gears aren't they different gear i mean we're talking different brainwave states we're mm. talking different parts of the brain that are in different brainwave states as well so yeah absolutely i think we are in such a consumption age these days where we're constantly taking in information mm-hmm. um yeah i think I think it's a really good idea. Like what you just shared before around spending a week of kind of cutting everything out. Mm-hmm. Um, last year I did, I did something similar, like a digital, digital detox, but it was for like seven weeks. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I remember when you it that was <laughs> brilliant. Oh my gosh. I felt like a brand new human being. Yeah. Yeah. And did you like, and how was it? Like one of the things I want to say first is like when we're consuming all this information, Firstly, what's the point if you're you're just consuming, consuming, consuming? Because at what point are you actually doing anything with it? Like how mm. are you how are you real lifing it or like actually putting that into action? You're not processing it; you're just absorbing it. But yeah, like when you had your seven week digital detox, like how was that? Like 
Did you have resistance? Was there a point where then you felt like you had a breakthrough? Like, how was it? Good point, by the way. You know, learning can be a procrastination from actually doing something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, I, you know, you, you hear quite a lot. And I, I was, and I definitely did this at one point in my life too, where you, you feel like you have to keep learning more and keep learning more and keep learning more before you can make an action um, yeah. because of your scared. Mm-hmm. And and that's totally fine. It's great. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. But I think having that awareness uh, is makes all the difference. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the the six seven weeks off. I mean, I think for the first week I really struggled because there was you know chemically there's still that part of you that's looking for that stimulation constantly. So it's mm-hmm. like you know you're an addict. You're been thrown in the cupboard. You're not allowed to come out until <laughs> yeah. you detox, right? So so in many ways, you know, you, I'd certainly felt that in a big way. Um, but I was fortunate. You know, I kind of floated about the UK a little bit and mm-hmm. was just always in nature. And and I think I think being in nature makes all the difference. Um, so it was just a lot of hiking, a lot of just spending time in various types of nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, just giving space to, for nothing to happen yeah. <laughs> with that expectation. Just be like, you know what, the next six weeks I'm going to do absolutely nothing. No goal, no need to try and get somewhere. Let's just be here and just allow. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this before in in maybe practices or that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I know I've certainly have that, like, let's say in breath work, you know, I might be breathing and I feel like that there's something I want to work through and I'm kind of trying to push it, control it, aim it in that direction and say, I want to break through on this thing, or I'm expecting Mm -hmm. this thing to happen and it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And then in the end you go, damn it. Nothing happened. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's annoying. Oh, well, I give up. And then as soon as you give up, boom. Yeah, totally. Something <laughs> happens. So actually, uh, let me share one story around this. Yeah. This was this was the big learning moment around this point for me was it was and exactly that. It was in a breathwork session. My intention going into the breathwork session was that I to to I don't need validation from others. Okay. So my constant need for pleasing, my constant need for validation from other people. So I'm done with this now. I don't want this anymore. Mm-hmm. So I was breathing, waiting for something to happen, starting to get the sensation coming through. I'm like, okay, here we go. I feel the energy. <laughs> I feel the movement. I feel the motion. And great. We're going to break through this belief system. This is wonderful. Keep on going. Keep on going. Then the music starts to calm down. I'm like, wait, but nothing's happened yet. No, I have to keep going. And then, you know, facilitators slowly bring everyone back. And I thought, oh, damn it. Well, I guess this wasn't for me. And man, I really wanted to let go of this one. And I guess I'm stuck with this forever. And I just kind of relaxed. And then again, in that moment of space and stillness, wasn't trying to do anything. I just had this realization come into my head of, and it was literally like the, the, the biggest aha moment, like someone just yelling in my ear, wait a minute. I was looking for some form of validation for me to let go of the need for validation. Right. <laughs> wow. And I went, oh my God. And then kaboom, 
I wasn't even breathing. At this point, I was just relaxing and then kaboom, fireworks. Full, almost Kundalini experience. Really? Yeah. um, And uh, yeah, so, so, you know, it's often in those moments of no expectation and nothingness that you, you sort of get what you need. Yeah, I guess like you said, it was like, the, I guess it was a contra- contradiction where exactly. you're like, val- right, I need to have this experience of letting it go to validate that I've let it go. <laughs> I need validation that I don't need validation. Yeah. <laughs> and then you just go, oh, wow. <laughs> And I think like, especially like a lot of people that will be listening to this, I will relate to it because um, whether they work with the moon and they set intentions and they're trying to manifest and they're like, why is this thing not happening? <laughs> like, why is this not this thing not happening? And often we're kind of sending mixed signals. So we're asking for one thing, but we're doing the opposite to prove, to compound it in a way. There's the, another great quote, I'm sorry, I can't, I don't know who said this, but it's like the universe doesn't give you what you want. It gives you what you are. Right. Um, and if you think of, and it makes total sense, right? You know, mm. if we are, if we are energetic beings um, and we are, have our own sort of unique frequency blueprint, mm-hmm. then it only makes sense that what we get to experience outside of our own frequency blueprint in the other in the sea of information and frequency that is the universe that we get to experience is going to somewhat match up with that what we are so mm-hmm. um yeah i i agree i think and and i i also think that when you are able to kind of relax into things a little bit more you kind of are just served up whatever it is that you need at this time. Mm -hmm. And that can be a beautiful, amazing thing. It can be really challenging. It can be really confusing. It might make no sense whatsoever. Mm. And to kind of approach that with curiosity and to kind of say, okay, well, this is interesting, but it's come here. So why is this here? Mm -hmm. Um, I think is a really unique ability. It's the whole... Um, I'm full of quotes today. This is great. Yeah. <laughs> I don't usually have quotes. I, but I know who, who, who this one is. So Dan Milman, the author of yes, um, The Way the, of the Peaceful Warrior. I love that book. Yeah. Amazing book if you haven't read it. Mm-hmm. His beautiful quote, which I love so much, is, um, you know, that life comes, in our, comes at us in waves that we can neither predict or control, but we can learn to surf. Yes. So you don't judge the wave, you don't, you just see it and you go, well, I'm going to get on my board and see where it takes me. Yeah. It's just riding the wave that you're on, I think, isn't it? It's just, and not, and I think sometimes as well, it's like, don't, we some people, and I think we're, sometimes we can get caught up in this, like, why, why is this happening to me? Maybe working out the why isn't for that moment. It's just surfing the wave, (laughs) just be on it, ride it out. And the why will work itself out. Yeah, I mean, I I think so, and especially if we're in the midst of crisis, for example, you yeah. know, it's you're really only ever as good as your state. So if you're going to try and intellectualize a crisis and work it all out in that moment, you you know, you might not necessarily get that far. Mm-hmm. It's best to really, again, we talk about presence. Be present with whatever it is that you're experiencing, and be present with yourself. Mm-hmm. And just, just, just like, just allow it for a little while. 
Yeah. You know, and allow the the charge to 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 decrease a little bit and mm-hmm. and then you can start to intellectualize and try and understand. Um but it's that allowing, it's that allowing, mm. it's allowing. You know, I always say in, in, in breath work, the, the primary thing of breath work isn't breathing, it's relaxation. Mm. You know, it's, it's the breathing can be a means to the relaxation, but if you are able to let go and relax anyway, yeah. the breath work itself has such a far more profound effect. Um, so, yeah, I think... I forget what we're talking about. Sorry. Talking about like just, I think like just like riding the wave that you're on, and like how these different, and not judging the experience that that is happening for us that like, too much. Like mm. it's un like life is unpredictable, so it's kind of going with that and kind of just yeah, like being, just being with it. But with breathwork and like how you were saying about it being relaxing, because I've been reading your book, I'm like. And I've been to like your sessions in person and like in real life. Obviously, that's the same thing online. (laughs) And I feel like you're the best breathwork person ever, like out there, like legitimately. I've done breathwork with different people and like you've made my boyfriend cry. (laughs) (laughs) That's always the goal. Yeah, exactly. When we- the fellas crying. Yeah, when we were at like Lost Village, I was like, you've got to do Richie's session. He's like, oh, like, and cause he's really, he's really interested in like Wim Hof. Nice. You've got to do Richie's session. And after that, my boyfriend was just like, like crying and he's just like, what happened? And I was like, he's great, isn't he? (laughs) (laughs) Um, But like reading your book as well, like breathwork is great. I think one of the things that I love about it is like how clear I feel after it, how rebalanced I feel, like as you said, like how relaxed, but reading exhale, it's like there's so much more to the breath than just getting high on your own supply, Hmm. isn't it? And there's something with the breath, it's so automatic, but with breathwork, I have a lot of resistance, like mm. to doing it. So much resistance, like more of, consciously of, of that than anything else. Like even this morning, I was like, "I'm going to do some breathwork on the flourish before I speak to Richie." And then I was like, "Lay down." I was like, "No, no." Can't and I it. get that a lot. But then I, but then I do think that that's maybe because I didn't have, t- I didn't have as much time as I thought I would. So that was a sign mm. not mm. to like to do that. But a lot of the time, I have resistance. But like I said, even like last night, I was like counting my breaths because <laughs> like, there's so many good tips to understand your breath and the power of it and like what you were saying in the book about like is it with anxiety you can get into anxiety state and your your breath pattern can get stuck in that mm. loop so then you're it, it's perpetuating yeah I mean you the breath is central to everything that we mm. do and it's it's our actual lifeline to life itself right Mm -hmm. you know if we're not breathing then we're at least in this form not really here yeah so it's it's our connection to this experience it's like the one thing that actually 100 holds us to this experience of life is the Mm -hmm. fact that we're breathing so in that way it it is central to everything and you know the way that we breathe affects every single system and every single function physiologically in the body so that's why it's so useful and so interesting it's and unique in that sense because we have conscious control over it mm-hmm. so it's you can almost think of it kind of like a swiss army knife you know it's like this one tool that we have that we can use for all sorts of different situations to create all sorts of different outcomes um and uh yeah you know to to 
talk about stress, you know, of course you can think about doing different breathing techniques to try and help to relax stress, you know, two to three minutes here and there throughout the day. But, you know, outside of those two to three minutes of conscious breathing, how are you breathing unconsciously? And those breathing habits that you've developed over the years of your life probably play a big part in your experience as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way that our breath actually reflects um, our state. So if we're feeling stressed, well, there's actually a stressful way of breathing. If we feel sad, there's actually a sad way of breathing. If we feel super happy or activated in some way, there's a way of breathing in that way as well. Or if we feel very relaxed, there's another way that we breathe. So, So it's like our breath is a mirror for exactly what our internal state is. But kind of like what we we're talking about before, you know, our bodies are and our psychology, we're, we're pattern forming, habit forming machines. Mm-hmm. So if you are, let's say, uh, maybe you have a really stressful couple of months of work, big deadlines, something like that, you know, so it's mm-hmm. really crazy. And so your body is in this constant state of sympathetic activation or this fight or flight state for an extended period of time. So your breathing reflects that. And quite often we talk about stress. It's usually a, um, a breath that's higher up in the chest using secondary breathing muscles in mm. your neck, shoulders, and upper back and upper chest. Um, we uh, breathe a little bit faster and maybe a bit more erratically. Some people will hold their breath a lot. Um, but these are all very natural reflexes, natural breathing responses as part of being in a stress response. Mm-hmm. Now, the body gets really good at that and remembers how to do it and habituates the stressful breathing pattern. So then you finish this couple of months of stressful work, the deadline's done. Um, and then you're like, Oh, cool. Now I get to relax, mm-hmm. but your physiology has remembered, but this is how I breathe now. And it keeps breathing in that way. And what's unique about the breath is not only does it respond to what's going on inside of you and how you, how you feel, but it grows back the other way as well. So you can change the way that you breathe will change how you feel in your internal states. It's, it's a two way street. Mm-hmm. So if you, uh, you might be sitting on a beach, you know, you have nice holiday after your, you know, big two months of, you know, 80 hour weeks or whatever. Yeah. And then you're sitting on the beach or lying on the beach and you have your pina colada in one hand and you're lying and he's like, why can't I stop thinking about work? Why do I still feel like I need to do something? Why do I still feel kind of antsy and uncomfortable and a little bit agitated, even though I'm in the Maldives or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's because your nervous system is still responding in a stressful way. It's kind of stuck in this, um, in this, this mode of operating and your breathing is still, uh, in a stressful pattern as well, which is actually exacerbating the stress response. Mm -hmm. So it, some people will never come out of it then for the rest of their life. Wow. Or it might take a, like maybe a four or five days for things to kind of normalize. And I'm sure many people have had this experience before of going on holiday and then not being able to relax for the first few days. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just, it's the, it takes time for the, the nervous system to, to re-normalize. But then this is particularly evident in things like trauma. So, you know, if you have something really significant happen to you and your body goes into that fight or flight or freeze response as well, mm-hmm. um, then, you know, you, your breathing gets almost stuck into a stressful, um, apprehensive pattern. 
and that can actually exacerbate the stress response further in the body and that might stay forever you know so like in the book we talk about different sort of breathing styles and how quite often they can be correlate to various things and mm-hmm. for example like a reverse breather um can be very very uh is very common in people who have experienced sexual trauma you know as an example so yeah it's it the our breath is fluid and modular and changes but can also get stuck mm-hmm. and that's where breath work gets very becomes very important um, because purely through changing your breath, bringing awareness to it and changing it, starting to use it in ways to be able to help you to get unstuck, um, it can kind of create this momentum um, in, yeah, in, in moving you forward. Yeah. It is like our physiology informs our psychology as well. There's a name for this now, which is mm. amazing. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about the mind-body connection forever, right? You know, in, in in the East and and in you know metaphysical esoteric traditions, we mind-body connection is a thing. But now science has a name for it, which is great, and it's called psychoneuroimmunology. Oh, so it's sure, okay. sure easy, an easy name to remember. I think you can make it even longer too. I think you can throw in psychoneuroendoimmunology. If I'm, oh and, wow! Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, essentially it's the connection between our physiology, mainly mm-hmm. our nervous system, our endocrine system, our immune system, um, and, uh, and our, our psychology, mm. our mind and how yeah. it all interplays. Yeah. I think, but, but if you kind of get into breath work and practice and maybe do your 21 day, is it a challenge? Do you call it a challenge? program program yeah. yeah program's nice i'm yeah. saying challenge i was like challenge it's not like is it the program could that help like reset and reprogram and help you yeah. find because i'm reading that and being like i think i need to do that <laughs> well the re so i would say majority of people have have some form of a breathing pattern disorder yeah, I think and I it have. might be something very small <laughs> to something a bit larger. Yeah, um, I haven't met. There's very few people I've met where I've kind of seen them breathe and go, "Oh wow, like that's that's amazing." Yeah. Um, and and so there's always little bits and pieces of work that you can do. Um, and yeah, but but, but the reasons why people's breathing might um, become disordered is that there's all sorts of different reasons, mm-hmm. whether it's emotional things like trauma, or even just chronic stress from, you know, a, a lifestyle that is very fast paced and demanding to even the clothes that you wear, you know, mm. if you're constantly wearing tight trousers, tight belts, tight dresses and skirts all the time, that's restricting your breathing mechanic. Um, injury, physical injury um, mm. is a big one too. So there's, there's all sorts of different reasons why sitting down too much has a big effect on your breathing mechanics. So um I think it's, yeah, that 21 day program is helps you to identify the ways in which your breathing can improve mm-hmm. and then start to give you the, like a bit of a, bes- like a bespoke plan to be able to move it back in the right direction. Yeah. 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 I'm curious. I think I'm going to try and do it because I'm like, I was doing, I was like counting my breath. I was like holding my nose, <laughs> my stopwatch on my phone, like counting my breath. And I was like, nice. how long do I need to hold it for? Like, is it time? And then I was like, I think I'm a belly breather. Um, but I did, um, I did like a two day transformational breath thing. They were talking about like reading your breath 
in a sense of like what what your breath where you're breathing into your body like um represents about you and your personality so and I think what there when they said when I they were like yeah you breathe into your belly they were saying that that means that I'm a sign that that's a sign of being an over overachiever they said to me yeah 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 so breath transformational breath has this this breath analysis kind of protocol Mm. Um, and yeah, so what they'll say is that if you're a really good belly breather, that it's a representation of, yeah, your will Mm. being good at things, getting things done, being a perfectionist and that kind of, that kind of thing. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, you know, I think what one, one important thing to distinguish is the difference between conscious breathing and unconscious breathing. Because mm-hmm. when you're doing things like transformational breath and you're you're breathing consciously, you know, you're mm-hmm. really trying to make it happen. So yeah. it's that process of making something happen that can perhaps bring to light some potential personality traits and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also different to just how you breathe unconsciously. So mm-hmm. for example, when I do um, in, in the breath analysis thing in my book, yeah. the idea is that we, you record yourself breathing, but you're, while you're recording yourself, you're thinking about your last holiday mm-hmm. or something like that. So it's trying to allow it to just happen naturally by itself because yeah. you can kind of gain different insight um, when you do that. Yeah, yeah. Because I guess when it, it's so we, when we're trying to relax, it's like relax. It's like but you're not relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> Like, stand normal. normal. Someone takes a photo of you and it's like, stand normally. You're like, how do I do that? Yeah. It's like, that's not how you would normally stand. I know. I know. But you forget. But like, and also like with your breath work, is bow breath like your thing? Did you invent bow breath? That's why I was like, always wondering. So, yeah. So, so, um, in integrative breath work, Mm -hmm. um, which, includes things like transformational breath, um, rebirthing, biodynamic breath work, these kinds of styles of breath. Mm-hmm. There's something called conscious connected breathing. And so this is this is kind of the key ingredient uh, when we start looking at breath work as a form of therapy and, and spiritual experiencing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what makes the big changes physiologi- physiologically and energetically to put you into that non-ordinary state where you get to have these profound moments of realization, experience, cathartic release, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, so that is something that's fully understood and, and uh, consistent across these styles of breath. Bow breathing is kind of like an adaptation of that mm-hmm. in that it takes similar concepts of an, a uh, increase, a uh, active inhale. Mm-hmm. So energy in the inhale, passive exhale, just relaxing, letting go. Mm-hmm. Um, what I don't incorporate as part of bow breathing is the connected aspect and connected breathing. What I mean by connected, and this is what's really emphasized when you do something like rebirthing mm-hmm. is that there shouldn't be any pauses between the inhales and the exhales. So it's this right. constant circle of breath and that actually speeds up the process in terms of, um, I guess, uh, being a catalyst for change. Whereas when I use bow breathing, um, I it's I want the process to be slower. So I don't emphasize connecting the breath. I still want people to take deep breaths, relaxed exhales out. Mm-hmm. But if they want to do some pauses in between and that kind of thing, if it feels right for them, they can. It yeah. just it's a slightly more gentle version of conscious connected breathing. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah. 
but I mean, bow breath, the name itself just kind of came to me one day. Cause I was just trying to think like, what is, <laughs> what is the feeling of this breath? And yeah. you know, it's like, it is like the, the bow or the slingshot, right? It's like yeah. you put an energy to draw it in. And then when you let it go, it's the exhale, you just let it go. Mm-hmm. So that's why I came up with the name bow breath. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that's kind Makes of, sense. kind of how and it came about. Like the holding the breath bit though, when, when you're, that's always my favorite bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, because physiologically it's a very relaxing, it's a very relaxing, um, uh, process, mm. you know? So what we've measured when you do something like bow breathing, which is actually an activating sympathetically stimulating technique. Mm-hmm. And then you hold your breath straight afterwards is that your body, it's almost like it rewards you and goes, Oh, thank God you're not doing that anymore. Yeah. I'm going to flood you in, or drive you deep into your parasympathetic response, your relaxation mm-hmm. response. And the more that you go backwards and forwards, the deeper the relaxation response seems to become. Mm-hmm. So that's why it feels so good. You know, you're doing this hard, deep, active breathing, which hopefully over time you start to learn how to relax and allow, even though it's deep and energetic, it doesn't feel like it's hard. It just kind of happens by itself. It takes a bit of practice, but but you move from that active active mode into a relaxation response. Then you can go, ah, this is nice. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, you know, we have to thank Wim uh, Wim Hof mm. for really popularizing breath holding. Obviously, it's it's been in all the other ancient techniques from pranayama and from um, even qigong. Um, but Wim, I think, made breath holding cool. <laughs> yeah, well, I get like even like reading in your book, like when you went to his, went to Poland to his retreat, mm. and I was like, I felt like I was there with you. <laughs> like, yeah, you could see it, and it was like, it is. It can seem so extreme of like getting in that cold water, but it, I think it's really powerful to realize like how much the body, how powerful the body is, and like when you were reheating your body and steam was coming off of you. This is what is really exciting for me and really just my my greatest passion is the potential for human beings Mm -hmm. and what that means for us as a society and for us as a species and for us as a planet because i mean let's face it you know we have i think a lot of people are kind of banking on this idea that technology is going to like save us you know we're kind of (laughs) we're kind of heading in a bit of an interesting direction as a species um, and it's kind of potentially the next even decade could really dictate how long we survive for, mm. um, yeah. which is fascinating. How cool is it that we get to be here in this very important moment in time? Um, but the thing with that is we already have all of the technology all of the resources, all of the money, all of the everything that we could need from a from like a external resource perspective mm-hmm. to pretty much solve all of the world's problems. Yeah. <laughs> within a few years. So it's not a technology problem. Mm-hmm. It's a human problem. Yeah. And so this is where I get really passionate is okay how we start to move the needle on our direction is, is a raising of consciousness or a raising of awareness. Um, and how does that happen? So how do we get to explore that, that human potential, that true human potential? 
so yeah, you could do cool things. You could jump in the water and, you know, in the cold water and climb ice mountains in your shorts <laughs> and all that fun stuff. And that's really interesting. But for me, it's almost, that's almost more just a catalyst of going, huh, you know what? Like not only uh, can we do things differently, but actually there are things that are possible for us that we never knew mm-hmm. were possible. Or maybe we did know at one stage, but we forgot. And that for me, that is the exciting area of exploration for me mm. is the, the potential of human beings and how maybe that's the answer for us to to save ourselves yeah yeah <laughs> do you and do you think like part of your mission is to like help people remember yeah at the end of the day healing is just remembering mm. um that's the that's that's what it, i think is maybe another big um way of shifting your perspective on on this on a healing journey is it's not trying to fix yourself in any way it's not mm-hmm. trying to add to you or change it's actually pulling back the veil the layers of stopping you from seeing the truth mm-hmm. in which way you could you could call it remembering yeah remembering what you are where you came from um yeah. And that's where, you know, peaks. so breath work is incredible for that. And, you know, I think there's so much interest in psychedelics these days, mm-hmm. um, that also helps in a big way. And interestingly enough, I believe, I don't think this has been scientifically validated yet, but based off um, my understanding of physiology of what happens when you do these deep breathing techniques for long periods of time is probably what happens in the brain is very similar to when you take psychedelics. Um, I can see that. I can see yeah, well, a lot of a lot of people report their experience back as something that is very similar to a psychedelic experience that they may have had. Um, so you know these these peak experiences are really powerful for like pulling back the veil and giving you that moment of oh yeah that's right I remember what that who I am now. Mm-hmm. But then the integration piece afterwards is the most important part. Yeah. So well then how does that actually impact me in my day to day life? you know? Yeah. yeah. Because breath work, psychedelics can also be used as a form of spiritual bypassing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. You, you got to do the work afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess it's a bit, but like sometimes like you can have these experiences and this is one of the reasons like when I lead like moon ceremonies and meditations and experiences, I always say like write it down because mm. these, these moments of like awakening and remembering can be so dreamlike. And then if we go back into our then into our usual routine that can fade out really quickly like we forget super fast so like I always think like at least if it's written down you've got it anchored there somewhere um or you and also you're taking that time to bring it out of that that experience into this moment now as you're moving forward but it is the integration that's where it's not just like oh like I've had this great idea or I've had this realization like it's what we do with it that counts isn't it Absolutely. And ground it into action. Mm. You know, so I think writing it down is beautiful. So important. Um, but then, you know, start to bring that slightly, that intellectual um, part of you in and say, well, what does this actually mean for me? Mm-hmm. And what will, ha- what will be different? Yeah. You know, sometimes we call it future pacing. Sometimes some people might call it creating a plan setting an intention, Mm -hmm. you know, like, okay, I've had this big experience and I've let go of this thing, which has stopped me from doing this. So what do I do with it now? Yeah. 
and how can I make sure that this actually stays with me as an as a as an integrated experience yeah Um, and it can be like a like I do like that when I like lead meditations like journeys I'll like guide people to connect with their like higher self uh and then it'll be like what's the message and then what's your first step of action beautiful and it doesn't have to be like a huge like you've got to quit your job or like maybe (laughs) that is that is a time but like it's it can be like a small step that is what you start building from yeah yeah beautiful i mean Mm. just just materializing it in the real world in some way i Mm. think no matter how big or small is very very important yeah because i guess that's thing we're spiritual beings in a human body is that the right way around that yeah, they'll that say right? people will say people will say we're spiritual beings having a human experience. Yeah, that's yeah. the one. Yeah, and I think that's like why we we have these realizations, and that being the, the human experience is taking action on it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, this is the thing: if you want to be human, mm-hmm. and if you don't want to be, that's fine as well. You don't have mm-hmm. to be. Yeah. But if you want to be human and participate in in this in this this human experience, then. You're going to have to make something human out of the supernatural, the superhuman, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. you're going to, you're going to have to bring it in. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can get creative with how you do it too. Like that's the fun part yeah. is your only limits are your imagination. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, see what happens. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know, I feel like I want to like get a mess. Like, I don't know if I feel like I need to like do some breath work, see what comes through and do something. <laughs> That's how I feel. Yeah. Okay, I might do that this afternoon. Um, so thank you so much, Richie. It's been so incredible talking to you. Like as I wrap up these conversations, I always ask people like, what's their another phase? So if you could go back to another phase or you're looking forward to a, like a phase that you're moving into that you feel good about, like what's your, another phase? You know, I, um, what I've realized for myself very recently is that I seem to, it's a phase is the perfect world. I seem to work in these three to three and a half year phases or cycles mm-hmm. where something has to move or shift in a bigger way every three to three and a half years. And I'm in that end zone right now, which is really fun. Um, so, so yeah, I, I, I am moving into another phase right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not entirely sure what it is yet. Um, it's, it's exploration, uh, which is always the case. The, um, how it works, these cycles is that the first step into the new cycle is always unknown. Mm-hmm. it's that, and it requires a lot of, I guess in some ways you could say bravery or courage because it's the whole, you have to let go of one end of the swimming pool in order to start to swim to the other end. So I'm definitely preparing myself now for um, a letting go of certain things mm-hmm. um, in order to start to venture into the unknown of, and, and I don't know what that is um, except that I know it's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels good. It feels scary. And, but the good thing is I've done this enough times now that I know if, it, if it's scary, then I know it's a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm like, okay, <laughs> if it's scary, then I know I'm supposed to be heading in that direction. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, it's, sorry, it's a bit obscure. Um, but, but I would just say I am moving into something new yeah. um, and it will reveal itself as we go. 
Yeah. And I guess that's the beauty of the unknown, isn't it? It's allowing it to reveal itself. I th- you know, in a very sort of biological, animalistic way, we're programmed to be very f- uh, fearful of the unknown. Mm-hmm. Because if we can't predict something, then it means that there might be something that can hurt us and we might die. Yeah. Um, so a huge, huge shift that anybody can make is learning to trust in the unknown mm-hmm. and to think, you know what? In in the darkness in front of me isn't necessarily something that's bad, but it might be something so beautiful beyond imagining, something even greater than I could have ever thought of myself. And having that kind of level of trust really takes the pressure off a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I guess it's like, but like, I think it's easier when you've done it a few times as well. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty because well you see that it works out. Like, and I've had that where I've done so many things and people are like, are you sure? Like, do you want to go traveling on your own? Like, yeah. and it's yeah. just, but it's what comes out of the other side of that. That's where the trust comes from as well. It's, le- it's taking that leap of faith and actually doing it, ha- ha- feeling the fear, but also seeing it always works out better than you expected rather than the worst case scenario. Yeah. If you can, if you can tune into your intuition, the seat of, you know, that's your, we talk about the scent body scent, the centers again, that's your body center. You know, if you can really be present in your body, there's so much wisdom in there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of even religion and, and various spiritual and esoteric practices have been about trying to escape the body I think it's the opposite now. I think we're in an age now where we're trying to become more embodied mm-hmm. and bring everything that's beautiful outside into the body, into this, mm-hmm. into um, this just normal real world ex- experience. Yeah. So trusting, yeah, trusting in that is uh, quite a nice thing. Yes, I love that. Um, I was thinking like just like creating heaven on earth, really. Yep. Yeah, you can, you can look at, you can, heaven on earth, you know, um, the, the kingdom of God is within. Mm. It's not trying to escape out. It's trying mm. to bring it in. Yeah, come um, back to ourselves. Come and back remember. to ourselves. <laughs> Beautiful. So um, for people that want to find you, like where can they find you online? How can they work with you? How can they experience your incredible breathwork sessions? Um Thebreathguy.com is my website. Uh, the Breath Guy on Instagram is really the only social media that I'm I'm on. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an app called Flourish, which has lots of nice pre-recorded breathwork journeys on there. If you're interested in in getting started, um, or continuing, if you're already quite familiar with breathwork, um, my book Exhale is another really good place to begin if you're new to your breathwork journey. It really, I tried it with that book, create the book I wish I first had when I started breathwork and answered all the questions that I had and painted a picture of what's possible with breathwork. Mm-hmm. So that's a really nice spot to, to begin as well. Um, and yeah, I, I'm hoping to start to do more in-person stuff again now as the world slowly opens up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I'm probably going to be traveling a little bit, uh, quite soon. Hope when, if travel is allowed, yeah. so <laughs> just keep a lookout on, um, on Instagram or sign up to, um, my mailing lists online and you'll hear, be the first to hear about various events and that sort of thing. And, uh, yeah. And fingers crossed. Yeah. We get to be back together again in big groups and do big yeah, group breathing <laughs> again. Cause that's my favorite thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh yeah, I remember like yeah, when we were at Lost Village, there were so many people there for your sessions. Like, yeah. So many people, like just everyone just like crowding in, like wanting to get involved. It was so good. 
You know, one of the things I'm working on right now is, you know, doing one-off sessions is nice and can be incredibly powerful, but Mm. I'm right now designing what deeper, immersive, longer experiences look like. Mm -hmm. Weekends, week-longs, you know, Mm -hmm. creating a real and architecting a real journey of transformation for people. Um, So that's something that's coming. Yeah. uh, work in progress at Exciting. this point well it's so important yeah. to have like you said having that immersive like it's great to have that quick fix and to dip your toe in the water but when you do something for a longer period of time that's when you can start to integrate it and really kind of clear out even deeper and you build momentum as well mm. you know and for me the biggest shifts I've always I've ever experienced have always been in immersion whether mm-hmm. it's breath work or other things but always like week-long in an environment, new environment around people of similar intention and mindset. It's that collective energy and intention that really makes a big difference. So yeah, yeah, Yeah. I think that's the way forward. Power of the collective. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, well, thank you so much, Richie. Thanks, Tam. I know you've got a busy day. (laughs) All good. All good. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Another Phase. I hope that you have found these topics insightful and expansive and that, yeah, you've enjoyed listening to this as much as I have done recording it. You can find me on Instagram at tamaradreesen underscore, as well as my website, which is wolfsister.com. And that is where you can book in with me for a tarot reading, find out about moon ceremonies, events, my books, as well as the podcast show notes and links. If these conversations have been resonating with you and you've got a spare few minutes, then I would really appreciate it if you could head over to Apple Podcasts and show some love for another phase by leaving a rating and a review to let people know what they can expect when they're listening to these conversations. If you haven't already, then make sure that you are subscribed to make sure that you don't miss out on any of the episodes that are coming up. They are released weekly. Thursdays is where it's at, so I will look forward to catching up with you then.